After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside, from grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about Ice Age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. The Meat Eater Podcast is brought to you by First Light. Whether you're checking trail cams, hanging deer stands, or scouting for elk, First Light has performance apparel to support every hunter in every environment. Check it out at firstlight.com. F-I-R-S-T-L-I-T-E.com. Holy smokes, we're joined today by uh, Evan Felker from Turnpike Troubadours. Hello. Thank you for coming on, man. Glad to be here. I got to tell you, just to start right out, Max here, you know what Max told me before <laughs> you got here? He liked you before it was cool to like you. Really? Yeah. When was that? <laughs> <laughs> Way back in 2015. He didn't, he, didn't know, he didn't know about this era this time. Yeah. Well, Giannis asked me, you listen to Turnpike? And I was like, yeah, I did before it was cool. Yeah. So, well, I saw him in yeah. 2018, so I guess you got me beat. Yeah. There was a window there that we weren't very cool. But the beginning and now, I think we're pretty cool. Oh, for oh, sure. you home it. You went from cool to uncool to cool again. I think so. Oh yeah, no, I got what you're saying. Been there. Well, thanks for coming out. These <laughs> the, a <laughs> lot of these people. So so this is a uh, Hunter Spencer. He's a fan, Turnpike fan. Doctor Randall Randall uh, Williams. Um, he doesn't like. <laughs> doesn't like music. he doesn't introduce himself I've, as a I've never uh, oh I was gonna say I've, I've never liked anything before it was cool so <laughs> I'm still waiting for that to happen and of course Max he's a fan and Giannis is a fan in fact when we came in Giannis is listening to the new album thank you enjoying all the hunting lyrics that yeah. you've uh, dropped in there uh, Phil can you can can you speaking of lyrics do you have the thing I sent you yeah, yeah, I've got it pulled up. I can put so, it on the TV here. Just for a little background, Evan, this part, if you want to check, check your text messages and stuff, you can do all that. But this is the little part of the show where you have to talk about a couple things. Okay. Unrelated to our special guest. Okay. But you, this might be of interest to you. Yeah. Because some time ago, there, uh, some time ago, there was a incident that happened at a river access site here. You know when you go fishing and they put those outhouses at the fishing access the, with the vault toilet, you know? Sure, yeah, kind of. Well, like, a th- picture going to, like, a campground or something. They got those sort of, like, permanent... Yeah. Outhouse structures. Yeah. Well, there was a high-profile news story that happened here where a woman, uh, where a dude went down in there to get his phone and got stuck in the vault. 
And so we had the people that rescued him on the show. <laughs> Evan didn't catch this story. Well, no, no, he doesn't need to. I'm filling him in. So then it became a whole rash of incidences of people retrieving things in vault toilets and getting stuck. And then we had a cop right in. He rescued someone out of a vault toilet that was retrieving her Apple Watch. And he knew how to rescue her based on having listened to the podcast because the other rescuers didn't realize that you could remove the whole pedestal. They thought the victim had to come, <laughs> come out. the hole. Had to come. <laughs> so he gets there and the cops and firefighters that are there think that she has to come up through the hole, through the seat. Yeah. And he says, you know, I was listening to this podcast and they had a guy on there that conducted a vault toilet rescue. <laughs> and he was saying that you can actually jack the whole pedestal out of there. So they removed the pedestal and conducted the rescue. Then Corinne finds this. This is a guy that, do, this is fascinating. Here's a guy that does the news. He does the news in music. So if you don't like reading the news, this gentleman. Sings it? Sings the news. Like, like a he, modern minstrel kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> like kind of thing, yeah. This gentleman. Wow. And what's especially trippy about it is he's doing it in a, he has a first light hat on. Oh, wow. And he's doing the news as reported in People. So People Magazine reports, woman rescued after trying to retrieve her Apple Watch from an outhouse. So if you're like, I'm not going to read that, but you like music, you could listen (laughs) to music and learn the news. Can you play this, Phil? Yeah, sure. This is amazing. Good, Bill. <laughs> How isn't this guy more popular? I don't know. He's, she, I, I feel like he should be like, like he should be yeah. like more famous than Weird Al. Hundred <laughs> percent. What's his deal? Oh, we can't, What's we can't do name? that without like at least saying who he is. Who is he? I gotta look him up. He should be way Weed. more famous. That'd be a good show. Is a show not where you know you have a morning show and they have famous people on. There should be a morning show where you have people who ought to be famous on. Yeah, it's Reed's Piano News. Mm. That's the uh, Instagram account. But else? is it Reed's like R E E R E E D? His his name is Reed. So he not doesn't, like he, not, he's he doesn't like, have a last no. name on there. No, Reed's. His name is Reed. Piano Reed's Piano News. news. Well, yeah. Reed's Piano News. If you're out there, um, big admirer. I'll be getting all my news from you now. <laughs> <laughs> He's only got 1,300 followers. I know. That's where I'm going to get all be... my news from now on, man. I wonder if he's covering uh, the crisis in Israel. I was wondering the same thing. <laughs> <Yeah, where, laughs> like, what do you would think about that? Are, is he have, are they That's all in the same genre? Slip, or does he, uh, does, does he experiment in different genres? Or oh, I mean, is he just, only into yeah, certain Does he news? have one tune that he plays every day? Well, it's got to be on the piano. Well, uh, unfortunately. So, I don't know yet, because I only found out about him this morning. Yeah. And, you know, in the morning, you wake up. 
like my garage is a mess. My kids set their alarms early to play in the snow. They're a mess. Like everybody's late. Um, and I was in a bad mood and then I found that and then I w- walked around the house with a little chuckle, a little grin on my face. <laughs> so he really, he really helped me out. Reads piano news, ladies and gentlemen. Um, in uh, other show business news, Phil, I didn't know until I'm, I'm going to see Phil's special play this weekend. I didn't know. Thank you, you so much, by the way. I, I didn't know that you, oh, my whole family's going. Yeah, it's lovely. I was telling you, my kids are mistaken and think they're going to some kind of Halloween thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be ruining their night. I just want to get like, you prepared you know, for that. the Halloween play. I'm like, the Halloween play? Yeah, Ma, I got tickets. Yeah. Um, you you kissed somebody in this play? Oh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. No, I was telling Corinne the other day, I think I've kissed more people on stage than in just real life. Yeah. Huh. That's just a, it's a thing. Yeah. Uh, do you know that it made Crin uncomfortable? Yes, <laughs> I think she. I think she said that she. Uh, she kind of covered her eyes, which. Crin, can you come over I'm, by the I'm mic? Mildly offended. Can by you come this. over by the mic and, and talk, walk us through no, what happened? It's like watching your brother kiss someone who's number one, and then kiss someone who's not their wife, who you're friends with. So oh, so you. So your lack of your uncomfortability was on behalf of his wife. Well, it was. It was. It was dual. It was more like <laughs> watching your brother. Kiss someone passionately, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then passionately. I was like, "Oh, also, that's not." Yeah, it was it was multi-dimensional. It's, it, you, you, hold on, you're doing it passionately, Phil. No, I'm getting I'm getting uncomfortable. And I haven't been damn play. I mean, See, I, I, told I wouldn't you. I, I wouldn't call that passionately. I mean, like you know, there's it's 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 relatively brief. I'd say in the grand scheme of of like the you know the spectrum of kissing. Yeah. So, but okay, and you, I'm gonna ask you something, but you got to promise me to be honest. Or well, yeah, tell we'll me see. that you can't I'm be not honest. Prom- okay, well, let me hear the question. No, it's not what you think. It's not what you think. <laughs> okay. You think I'm going to ask. I'm not going to ask you that. But here's what I am going to ask sure. you. Over in, in the, in, you're married. I am, yeah. Okay. This has to have come up. Well, we, my, my wife and I met during a play where I was kissing someone every night that a person who wasn't her, she was like helping out on the play. So that was her introduction to you. And then the next play I did, the next play I did, I made out with someone else and she was there too. So she's kind of used to it. It's just been baked in. Yeah. It's, it's part of the agreement. Yeah. (laughs) So there's never, she's, she never expresses any. No, I mean, yeah. If if she, if she has any sort of trepidation, she's keeping it in and I, I, I don't know. I've never. It's it's kind of just the the foundation of our relationship was built on me kissing uh, somebody else. So, in theaters, in 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 a theater with with no um, emotional attachment. Correct. <laughs> Got you. Yeah. Um, and has it been going good or not good? It's been great. Yeah, I've been having a lot of fun. Um, haven't watched it, but people seem to enjoy it. All right, so that's that's been nice. Uh, we recently had David Chang on the show, and David Chang talked a lot about. Was he talking about that? Remember how, Corinne, you remember how, yeah. Uh, what, what's the word? EKG may. Mm-hmm. We talked about that a bunch with David Chang. Okay. EKG may, uh, if you missed the episode with Chef J- David Chang, EKG may is this practice where it, it's a way of dispatching a fish and, and a lot of fishmongers and high-end restaurants will require uh their their anglers to do this and it's that you so imagine you catch fish you right away sever the fish's like imagine that you're cutting off its caudal fin who can tell me what a caudal fin is 
Tail. Tail. Imagine you're cutting his tail off. And you cut his tail. You cut through the backbone, the, the end of the spine of the fish. Bend it back so you now have opened up the, the spinal cord. And then they'll take a brass rod, a copper rod. Remember doing this with, with Helen Cho? Um, I wasn't there for that, but we've talked a lot about it with her. You weren't there? Mm-mm. This is a, I don't have it as bad anymore, but Yanni and I used to not do anything apart. So when he was, everything that happened to me, I assumed he was there. Yeah, that was a brief moment of meat eater <laughs> pre Giannis. Really? That mm-hmm. long ago? Anyhow, you then take this, this wire and run this wire through its spinal cord. And, and it alters how the fish goes through rigor mortis. I was observing to him that I had seen this done in, in South America with a giant river turtle. Because when you kill a turtle, if you chop a snapping turtle's head off, he'll flex up. And when I was a kid, I mean, like my old man would chop a turtle's head off and then hang it by its tail mm-hmm. until it relaxed. And then you'd clean it. But these guys took that turtle, flop, and then took a long skewer and down the back. That's, that's not the noise it made. <laughs> <laughs> Down and this turtle just melted, and then they could promptly clean it. But this guy was listening to this conversation with David Chang and says, There's a dish called yin yang fish. Corinne, are you familiar? Never see Corinne's only half Chinese, so she know she doesn't know half the Chinese right, stuff, exactly. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, this is part of my lack of knowledge this is one of this the half you don't know about china never seen this before um it was originally it was invented in taiwan this is a brutal dish man it was invented in taiwan but has since gained popularity in china vin yang fish means dead alive fish and it's that you're processing you're processing but then also frying Okay, you take a live fish, scale it, wrap a head in a towel filled with ice cubes, then fry the fish's body so that when you plate the fish, go ahead. After you describe it, if you want to show the video, Phil has it queued up. The video? Uh, I didn't even know that was, I thought it was a screenshot. Oh, click on the link. I'll let Phil do it. Yeah, do we want to watch it? Well, I don't know. How long is it? Very short. If Evan wants to watch it, we'll watch it. If he doesn't, we're not going to watch <laughs> oh, don't it. Don't hang this on me. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get the rest of the description before we decide? So, we I don't know that I need to see it. <laughs> okay, I mean, you're, so you're, you're the, fish is, the fish is then plated and dressed with a sauce, seasoning and adorned with other sides. This is typically done with carp, and when served, the fish's gills, mouth, and eyes are still moving. Points hmm. out that it's just electrical impulses, but still. Hmm. So is it dead or alive? It's dead alive fish. Okay. Roll the clip, Phil. Are you gonna play the clip? Oh, well, all right, well, let's watch it. We don't. We don't have to. No, I. I want to see it. Ready, set, go. <laughs> okay, he's scaling it with a cleaver, which I respect. It's still. He scored still, it. It's still alive. It's a, a carp. Still alive, scored it. He's hauling ass. Wham, into a walk. 
Oh, that's the ice cube part, huh? So yeah. Brings it over. Oh, here's another guy doing it. Is that the same guy doing it? I think so no, he's holding it by the head, wrapped in ice, and just dipping its body in hot oil. Yeah. Oh, come on, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's moving. That's like a dish that does not need to exist, no. man. <laughs> then he's plating it out at a banquet. One minute, 29 seconds. Ooh. Oh, it's a contest to see who... Seems like a contest oh, to see who the uh, Come on, man. Wow. The fish's mouth has to move or, let, or the chef fails. Yeah. Wow. One minute, 27 seconds from when he started scaling that fish to when it's gasping fried on a plate. That's some fast food. That was good. You should get him on the show more often, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> he should be a more frequent guest. <laughs> Here's the deal. Let's say a frog. This just came out in the Royal Society. This is a scientific article that Heffelfinger sent over. Do we still have that Heffelfinger song? I do not have it queued up right now. I can. How did that song go? Was it like a real fast banjo? I have no clue. But we have a song right. If we want another one, yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> you want me to write a song? <laughs> Can you write one? Real quick. We did it fast, so like faster than that. Car. This, is, this is a different experience. Just than more, I imagine. Of a, more of a jingle. <laughs> I'm not gonna do too much news, but I'm gonna do a little more news. So Heffelfinger sends us over, and these German researchers are looking at. Let's say you have. There's a species of female frog. Um. What is this species of female frog? Heffelfinger calls it menage a frog. Well, there was a few <laughs> species that, that he said that do this. Yeah, so let's say there's a female frog and she gets approached by multiple aggressive males. Um, she might breed with a male, one male, and then can lay there and play dead for two hours. We'll lay and play dead for two hours until all their surrounding males lose interest and wander off. Playing possum. Hmm. And then hmm. whoosh, perks back up, takes off. Think about that. <laughs> kind of makes me uncomfortable. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why Heffelfinger sent it over. It's not my fault. <laughs> All right. So, Evan, you're from Oklahoma. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, I just, nice got, I, just got to do, I just got to do my first uh, deer hunt in Oklahoma, but I was not in your neck of the woods. Where we, were you? We were up on the Kansas. We were up uh, close to Kansas on the Kansas border, just hunting little chunks of public ground, but we had some very good deer hunting. We, I just got back. Really? Yeah. It was around Ponca or where? On I don't want to tell side? you exactly. Okay. Not that I, I would tell. I will tell you exactly. Like, sure. I'll tell you sure. very specifically exactly, but I don't want to. The other day I was telling my kids, if anyone asks you where we just hunted, I was telling them, tell them it's where um, Nunya Creek flows mm-hmm. into Business River. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll talk to yeah. you about Spox. I'd be curious if you're familiar with it. You're from down in the southeast part. I am. I live in central Oklahoma now, but yeah, I'm from around Broken Bow. Yeah. What was uh, what came first with you, music or or the outdoor pursuits? Outdoor stuff for really? sure. At yeah. what age? 
how little as I could get around with dad, like squirrel hunting and stuff. Yeah. What was your dad's story? Uh, he's a cowboy. Uh, he, my grandpa, we moved back down there to, he worked for my grandpa at the warehouse, uh, at the, uh, sawmill and, uh, or at the paper mill rather. And he worked at a Weyerhaeuser paper mill. Yes. They do pulp down there. They do pulp down there. They, they had a sawmill too in Wright city, the town that I grew up. Were they pulping like pines or pine, something? Pine, oh. hybrid loblolly pine, but that's. Oh, I see. Okay. It's yeah. a ton of, it's a ton of, uh, open country there. Like it was a half million acres of, they were running cattle on it, pigs on it. People still had pig leases when I was like a, a kid, like 13, 14 years old. Seriously? Yeah, they, they pulled the cattle in off the in the timber country. Yeah. A pig lease. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Man, I never even heard of a pig lease. Oh, Maggie, what's up? <laughs> hey, good to see y'all. Maggie's a fan. Hey, Maggie. Hi, Evan. <laughs> Thank you for writing the soundtrack Man, I heard to my gonna, 20s. I heard you're going to come in. I heard you're going to come in quiet, but that was real quiet. It's pretty sneaky. Like she even sat down and didn't know she was there. Oh. <laughs> Welcome, Maggie. I've been What'd working on my stealthiness in the elk woods. Yeah. So. Let me kind of recap what you missed. Stuff about people getting in the outhouses to get their watches out. Again? Stuff about frogs that I don't even want to get into. <laughs> and then about eating live carp. I saw that. Yeah, David Chang uh, sent that over, huh? Okay, yeah. That's, so, some... that's what you missed. Now well, we're I'm happy in. to be here. Now are, we're, now... are you wearing one of those first light stormy chromers? <laughs> I am wearing one of those first light stormy chromers. I'm a little jealous right now. I couldn't now. help myself. Do you know, uh, it's a you sharp hear, looking hat, huh? Do you know Yanni's yeah. orange stormy chromer? story no <laughs> so yanni had a or a blaze orange stormy chromer but it was like he had it so long that it, uh, t- you tell it yanni what the game warden said <clears throat> well it had fa- it had spent a lot of time sitting on my dash in my truck because it's a warm hat you know when you're not in the field i usually take my hats off and put on the dash and i'd actually pulled in behind the warden he was just off the side of the road doing something i forget but you were pulling the warden over <laughs> not really I, I just I just went by to say hi and we were chatting and he looked at my hat and he goes you know you might it might be time for a new Stormy Cromer you're, you're not quite blaze orange anymore you know? you're kind of a light but Stormy Cromer is really cool about that twice it's just a thing with that like color and dyeing that wool that color that they're aware of it and like every time they're like oh yeah no problem they send me a new one I've had a couple not Stormy Cromers but orange blaze hats bleach out on my dashboard it's funny i've never really experienced that but i'm like very cognizant of it now when i take off my blaze hats and stuff i don't put them up there hmm can i see that hat real quick i told that story recently twice actually and both times people were very that's uh, that's the first light stormy cromer it's a nice hat dude it's way nice it's pretty cool huh you familiar with stormy cromer oh yeah (laughs) People were mad oh, yeah. that the warden was yeah, spending nice time uh, busting my okay. chops about the faded blaze as opposed to doing, oh, doing his other, job. other more warden things. <laughs> yeah. Upset that he was talking to a hunter <laughs> and, and establishing a rapport. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, from there, Maggie, we went to growing up in Oklahoma. And we just are finding out. Were you here for the to find out there's such a thing as a pig lease? I, I was here. not anymore, <laughs> but at, at a, yeah, at the time. Yeah, I want to make sure. I want to make sure everybody's getting this. So, because I, I might even have a little bit wrong. So, Weyerhaeuser at a t- I don't know if they still are, but Weyerhaeuser at a time was one of the biggest private landowners in the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. one of the biggest. I think it's international paper now. I think they sold it. They bought it from Derrick's way back in the '60s or something. Okay, so they had these big tracks, mm-hmm. and they would raise loblolly. 
yeah, they they had pine and then it had you know hardwood on it. Okay, that they eventually cleared a lot of, but um, and it's a lot of pine trees still. And people would run, so they're raising that, but there's grass underneath it, and people would run Enough cattle to on. run some rough cattle in, and then uh, yeah, I guess they they ran hogs, and they're still you know feral hogs there now, but. When they ran hogs like that, did they have to put out hog wire? Are they, they really just they, running like loose they free, hogs? They were they were free hogs, but they ate them and stuff. So like these people had for years had lived on them, so they'd go and mark them each year and like catch them, catch them with dogs and like. But Are you it was serious? like working their livestock, hmm. yeah. But then they they got rid of them because they're obviously not great for for anything. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Yeah. I'm not a fan. Just but, faking. Yeah. So tell me more. Uh, so your old man, he, he worked, did mill work, but also did cattle work. Mm-hmm. And uh, we moved back down there when I was a kid. And so, I mean, it, it was just this huge piece of, of Oklahoma that's all, you know, the sort of the Washita mountains and all that stuff uh, on the Arkansas border and a lot of deer and a lot of squirrel hunting and, quail and yeah turkeys and anything quail's you know. gone now though huh? there's there's still a few are you seeing them it's yeah and then your so your old man introduced you to he but he he didn't he wasn't a musician no yeah. no but you had you had a did you you had an aunt or who, who i have an uncle that yeah. plays he played in some rock and roll bands and stuff and uh definitely was a was an influence to pick up a guitar he was pretty he was a rock and roll guy, yeah, like a bar, like a bar rock and roll guy, or like a like cover band guy, heavily influenced by Nirvana rock and roll, like, huh. and then like nice. later oh, you on, had an uncle like, that was heavily influenced, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like pretty neat. Guy. He's a really neat guy. He was in the Marines for a really long time, and and then uh, he moved to Seattle and stuff after the Nirvana stuff was going on, and like because played there, I, I think so. Yeah, I'd have to ask him, but I'm, I would assume. Oh, does he still play? Yeah, yeah, he still plays. He he plays gigs in Tulsa and stuff still. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Oh, um, how did uh, like, what was your dad's hunting program? You know, I mean, was he like, was he fanatical? He is hunting right now, or is getting ready for that <laughs> season right now. And I'll tell you, this and is he's really still, he's funny. Still, he's still down there. So we, no, he lives in Central Oklahoma, and he still travels welding and stuff. So he he just got off of a job and. And I was, we're doing uh, fall work on a set of cows, and he's, oh man, I want to get horseback. I want to go do this stuff. So, but after muzzleload season, you know, and so like we did all this stuff, and he, he's down at the, we have an old bus body down on the Glover River, and um, he's down there camping, like where they've been camping forever. So, Hold on, you, you have a what? It's an old bus. Oh, you yeah. literally said bus body. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was, a, I thought that was something, meant something other no, than a bus no, body. No, it's just a, like a bluebird. <laughs> I got like you. you keep, it's cabin. like you keep it as a camper. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they've been keeping it up for years. So, but you, okay, but you have a cattle ranch now. I do. But that's not a, that's not a property you grew up on. No. No, I moved back there. So, I, I went down to southeast Texas for a while. I had some friends down there that um, farmed rice, and there's a lot of, a lot of cowboy and stuff down there, and we duck hunted a lot. Like, that's teal central and mm-hmm. alligators and you know it's just this cool part of the, the u.s and um so i really got heavy into this heavy into like day work and cowboying and learning about that kind of stuff and at what got, age what, at what age like 35 okay how old you know 39 oh okay so, so yeah now, i just got obsessed yeah. with it and that's what i like 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you were exposed to it when you yeah, were Yeah, I knew a little bit about it all, you know, and I'd been doing it my whole life, but not to a very yeah. serious degree, you know. So who was the who was the friends you were down hanging out with? So it's a, a guy named uh, Justin Jenkins uh, who uh, it's got an old family farm down there. They they uh, raise a lot of rice and um, and that's what the ducks are on. The, yeah, okay. yeah, teal, blue wing teal like crazy, and it, it was just like the first time everybody I hung out with was like really great at calling in ducks and training dogs, and mm-hmm. you know it was waterfowl central and really a cool place to be. Did you bring your old man down there to hunt? I haven't yet. No, no. It's it's like eight or nine hours from home, so you know we haven't hadn't made it. We've tried to, but we haven't yet. How old are your kids? I have a two year old and a one year old. Oh, yeah, not I'm, quite old enough. No, no. <laughs> no, my little girl almost. She's almost old enough to go with me dove hunting, but huh? Yeah. So uh, when I was saying down there, I mean like down there, like in that state. But so you you then got into that and then mm-hmm. got a ranch and now you're actually spending yeah, so time we, doing the, that the second time this so <clears throat> this when we found out we were going to have our second kid we decided to move back to oklahoma because i was a long way from all of our family and everything and then um well so you guys had moved all the way to texas mm-hmm. i got you now so yeah. when you were saying you're hanging out down there you were living there i was living there no, yeah I, <laughs> I, I got you now okay <laughs> That's what I was asking about your kids <laughs> yeah. and all that. I'm trying I was, to put I was this hanging whole out program for a few together. years. Yeah. yeah, hanging that kind yeah. of hanging out. I got you. So when you got into that and went back and started doing your own deal, mm-hmm. and I'm bad at it. I'm not good at it. <laughs> it. Turns out it's hard. Is your objective to make money or just to have it? Just because you can have raise your kids around it. Uh, the second one mostly, but it's got to be somewhat solvent, you know, or else you're just losing <laughs> a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. So what, like, what, uh, what sort of operation is it? It's just a cow calf operation. We and we run some yearlings, plant some wheat, but um, uh huh, yeah, just, just raising calves every year. Do you guys? Do you have to irrigate for wheat? We don't. No, not yet. And then when you do the cow calf deal. You keep, but you keep your own cows over the winter and feed them. Yes, yeah, lots of feeding. I got a buddy um, that moved down and to help me, and he helps me out with the feeding and stuff when we're. I travel still too, so. Oh, that's what I was curious about. Yeah, so he runs runs things for me. What's the what's the like? How much your time do you spend on that? And how much time you spend on music? So all of my time when I'm home is like that and the kids, and then when I'm gone, you know. So you write when you're gone. Yeah, if I. Or or I set aside time for it. Huh. When did you used to write? Oh man. You know, that was that's all I did when I in my twenties. Like when I was you know, just hung over laying around the house or whatever. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have bigger aspirations. I wanted to like write songs and play music. Do you remember yeah. uh you remember that that John Prine album that he had, it was all that live stuff? Mm-hmm. No, what the, it's like a big double album he had. It was all live stuff. But he was talking about when he went to once he went to Nashville. He talked about how he'd always written, like you're saying, just mm-hmm. you know, whenever. And then he moved and he tells his story and he went to Nashville and he had an appointment to write a song at 10 a.m. on a Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just how how like strange it felt to him to be like, okay, at 10 on Monday, mm-hmm. we will write a song. Different approach to the craft. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I I don't do that, but like, I I take a pretty organic approach to it and try to keep 
inspired ideas like written down and have some stuff to work off of when I do get time to fool with it. I was, uh, Karen was showing me this thing, an interview you'd done where you were, um, you were talking about one of your muses or an influence being that those old tunes by Johnny Horton. Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy Driftwood stuff, and yeah, Johnny but I Horton. didn't know until I read that. I didn't know that that John. I didn't know that he was doing someone else's stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, nobody. I mean, nobody does. But I, I always say that because it's it's kind of neat because he wrote like Tennessee Stud and like all these yeah. other songs too. But hey, Phil, can you cue up real quick? Battle of New Orleans, just so people know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, give me a sec. Uh, I just want people to know what we're talking about. I had no idea that there's a that Johnny Horton is playing the music of Jimmy Driftwood. Yeah, <laughs> like just. Oh, it's so nerdy. Oh, and Phil's got a grab. No, but I love that stuff yeah. growing up, man. Did he do Battle of the Green Berets? Uh, I don't know about that one. Hey, 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 we're the Green Berets. It's always weird because I always thought Doc Watson was Tennessee stud. Yeah, he did he the best version it. of it yeah. is the the one with Vassar Clements and him on the, yeah, right. on uh, Will the Circle Being Broken. So here's what we're talking about. Stone Cold Badass. <laughs> That's good, Bill. Thank you, though. Okay. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to give people a little taste. I've tried to turn my kids on to this stuff. It just doesn't click, man. <laughs> like the, you don't, the, you don't the, say. The American brain, you know, yeah. is just different now, man. I don't know what happened to it. I don't know why, but those story songs always seem really cool to me. I mean, I knew it was oh, like hokey them. or whatever, and I I never got past it. Well, then, because he puts in these kind of like like real lucid details, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> like it winds up being like a, it's a legit story. Yeah, and that's kind of his greatest hit. Yeah, but I think can 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 you see? Did he do did he do Battle of the Green Berets? You're it's doing great. Phil, you don't know. So, so now Phil's saying he doesn't know Battle of the Green Braves. I don't know. Phil, you're doing great. Thanks, Randall. <laughs> it, it doesn't look like it, no. So uh, I don't know if you remember, but you you explained this in an interview. But who, who, talk about who John... Barry and uh, Sadler. Barry Sadler and Robin Moore wrote Ballad of the Green Braves. Yeah, but did he perform it? Oh, now you're asking who performed it. Yeah, because it. I'm only just now finding out that he's not the writer. <laughs> The, the what's his name Johnny Horton what's Jimmy Driftwood no no Horton. Johnny Horton <laughs> the, I didn't know Johnny Horton didn't write this stuff he was kind of like a almost a like an Elvis contemporary or something like a singer like that that wound up doing these sort of country songs Sergeant Barry Sadler he's saying he's, oh he's saying oh <laughs> I feel like well if I had some better people who better at internet searches we'd find out if this is true or not <laughs> Randall probably figured out stuff out. I'm computerless, you don't have unfortunately. It. No, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> so, I'm a PC uh, guy. Big PC guy. <laughs> Either way, you you got influenced by, like, you kind of like the, you like that story. Yeah, like stuff. Marty Robbins. And I, I remember that one being a big one, but that was all sort of the same, feel the same thing for me, you know? Mm -hmm. Feel the same slot. And you got into trying to, you got into, like, the story. Mm -hmm. Trying to write those kind of things, because it's not easy. No. And then you, you, you uh, doing dialogue within a song. Yes. <laughs> Which 
Like, well, people will tell you not said, to do it. A lot of people, <laughs> do yeah, that's a lot of people to, say, they say don't do dialogue, don't quote incorrect people in songs. or bad songwriting. <laughs> <laughs> Explain how cool it. Really? Explain how dialogue would be in a song. Like, do it like think of one of your songs that has dialogue in it. And how do you how how you deliver it? I mean, basically, like dance says hell of a shot or something like that. Like in the Bird Hunters, yeah, you're just trying to sneak it in and change change the narrator quick enough so it doesn't sound like an insane person is the narrator it's like <laughs> <laughs> and that's it never occurred to me that that's uh that's trick or frowned upon but then i was trying to think in my head like you don't hear people say that often someone they don't quote a thing mm-hmm. that often yeah i'm wondering what some other red flags in songwriting are that would have never occurred to me <laughs> yeah yeah do you have a list do you keep a pod do you keep no, a list in your wallet this explains why my act has never gone anywhere <laughs> there's not like a don't do this list you keep in your wallet when uh, you're i need to i need one probably but no i i don't but there's got to be some famous songs that have dialogue romeo and juliet by mark well, Knopfler. I, I guess that there is plenty of like duets that would have dialogue right 99 problems by jay-z he says that, so just the dialogue part. <laughs> but but what he's talking right, about is like he said he said yeah a song that has a he well, said yeah, she he said. said he's talking to the officer in the I mean never mind I think maybe oh you know what one for sure you know what the the one I'm thinking of that really has a lot of it mm-hmm. in one bourbon one scotch <laughs> and one beer by George Thorogood there's a very detailed conversation uh, that occurs between him and his landlady. <laughs> It says like I ain't, I ain't got no rent money. Yeah, yep. right. <laughs> and she says she says uh, a word that d- doesn't mean anything, but I've used it my entire life because I've always been a I've always liked one bourbon, one scotch, and one beer. Is uh, he says um, he goes to explain that he does not have his rent money, mm-hmm. and as best I can tell, and George Thurgood is not one to enunciate. <laughs> as best I can tell, she says. That don't befront me. Yeah. As long as I have my money. It's ringing some bells. By next Friday. And growing up, like I'm not getting, like in high school, (laughs) that was a, that became so interwoven. There's like two words, there's a bunch of words, but uh, to say like, it just doesn't befront me. (laughs) We would just use that word. And it was the only attribution would be that it came from Thurgood. (laughs) there's another like another word that came up is we would play a lot of cards even on the school bus we play cards and when you're doing poker with wild cards you wind up with you know you got like trips three of a kind quads four of a kind but once you introduce a wild card it becomes possible to get five of a kind Mm -hmm. and five of a kind i don't know who came up with this was fooples (laughs) so foops would be like five of something how many you got, Foops? But it don't befront me. <laughs> so anyways, it's not as uncommon as some might think to have dialogue in a song. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked 
or eaten outside. From grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about Ice Age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire-charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold. But you do like you do like the narratives, and the Bird Hunter is a great narrative song. Yeah, yeah, I like those kind of kind of songs that you're trying to um, flesh out an actual story that's bigger than what the song has to tell. Maybe in yeah. sort of what you don't that can do more than the time that you have there. You know, what does that mean? To tell a bigger story or to to allude to some things that might um, sort of underscore um, the narrative that's going on. That's because, like in a song, you you only have a finite amount of words that you can say to tell a much larger story. Have right? you ever counted them up? No, but it's not very many. No, because you know it's it's shocking. I want you to continue what you're saying, but. Coming up in the magazine world, um, you'd be contracted by word count. Mm-hmm. Okay, so be like, give us eight hundred words on this, fourteen hundred words on this. If they come in, it's like three thousand words, and you're like, oh sweet. So you'd sign a contract, be like two bucks a word, and then you're kind of waiting, and we're thinking like four thousand words. You're like, ka-ching, you know. Um, but then sometimes you'll you'll have there'll be a song that is really moving. You know, and you feel like the song unpacks a lot and mm-hmm. does a lot. And you look at the word kind of like, that some bitch did that in like 60 words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was not that much. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to count how many words are in Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Yeah, there's a handful in there. Yeah. Well, it doesn't have a chorus. <laughs> a handful. <laughs> it doesn't have a chorus either. Does it not have a chorus? I don't believe so. I believe it's all just verses. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It rolls verse to verse mm-hmm. to verse to verse. Yeah, yeah. so you're going to get more word count just because higher he cheated. Word. He must have been getting a high. <laughs> Cha-ching. Cha-ching. Cheated. Yeah. Another red flag. He was getting like, he yeah. must have been getting three bucks a word. <laughs> I think that that <laughs> is a red flag is to not give it a chorus <laughs> at all. Like, no chorus. Oh, yeah, that song. Yeah, you're right. There's no chorus in there. Um, But anyways, continue what you're saying about on, like how to get more done in, in brief periods of time. Yeah, and you're, I mean... So you have a chorus that is obviously sort of like underscoring your main idea, and but you're trying to tell a pretty like a lot of the, those songs. I'm trying to tell a, a bigger story than I have. You know, it's two or three sentences really mm-hmm. that you, that the verses wind up being. Um. So, yeah, that's the. That's the tricky part. You know, you, you remember, obviously, Norm MacDonald? Yes. For a while, Norm MacDonald had a talk show. Mm-hmm. And it was a running gag in Norm MacDonald's talk show to ask comedians, um, where do you get your ideas? And then 
the comedian, it would just immediately deflate the interview. Because <laughs> it's like a sin <laughs> to say that to somebody. So I'm trying not to say, where do you get your ideas? I'm recognizing that that's a sin, but I'm trying to get at that. So I'm trying to offer up like, uh, okay, uh, Cal, our, our buddy Callahan is not here. He, 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 he's like the bird hunters is the greatest hunt. He thinks it's better than country boy can survive and, and Fred bear. Now, <laughs> <laughs> Steve, <laughs> Evan, I heard you mention in an interview, in an interview once that a lot of your ideas for songs come from this time before you had cell phones. Yeah, I kind of like put it in that, in that time period when I was like, well, I didn't get a cell phone until I was like 19. So, <laughs> so it was, it was a long time. Because you weren't allowed one or just didn't get one? I just don't think I got one. I don't know. It was yeah. another place. Another, <laughs> like we were, we were behind the times pretty, pretty bad where I grew up. But, um, yeah, I I liked that, um, I, and I still try to like put everything in that sort of that's a romantic time period for me or whatever. So yeah. Oh, I see. Okay, so you mean most of the stuff you're doing is based off these interactions and experiences that occurred? Sure. Yeah. In what would be pre cell phone, mm-hmm. simpler times. Yeah, simpler times. So with the bird hunters, I'm not going to ask you where the idea came from. <laughs> So, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a Hemingway short story called The Three-Day Blow that part of that comes from, and then parts of it are from real life, and parts of it are just yeah. stuff I made up from my experiences. But if you get a great deal, like, if you get a great deal, like, um, you go to hell and I'm going home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would picture... That I would be sitting there and I would overhear someone, I'd be like oh, in a parking lot and I'd overhear someone say, um, you go to hell, I'm going home. And then like that would always live in my head. And then I would start adding things exactly. to that. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah. Give me a thing that's stewing in your head right now. Oh, I don't know. I can't. I can't do that. <laughs> you don't have like a burning thing stewing in your head right if now. I tell somebody they'll steal it. Yeah, but they won't know how to fly. Like, listen. Yeah, somebody will. If I told you, <laughs> no. just whisper it to them. Just whisper it to them. <laughs> don't you remember our conversation with uh, the Isbell brothers and uh, Luke about how they just get together and then just churn and churn like a machine, pumping the music out. That's all it takes. Yeah, but I one, don't think that you could take yeah, one the of those, same. Yeah, if those guys get a hold of this stuff, gold. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to get a piece of it. Yeah, I actually got him. I actually got him on here right now. He's like, he me well, I, yeah. I imagine that cowboying is ripe. Oh yeah, yeah. it's it's it can be definitely in southeast Texas. There's a lot of it's it's easy to for it to be silly though. You know, you got to watch out like. Trying, right, I don't want to sound it, like dialogue. Isn't right and, now, current Evan's life just constantly giving you ideas? Central of, Oklahoma does not offer up a lot of no? ideas all the time. No, it's not as many as you think. You want me to give you a shitload of ideas right now? Sure. <laughs> Check this out. This is like, I don't know if you know it, Crin's a really good producer. I don't doubt it at all. <laughs> Listen to this. So, this is like so unfunny. I had, a, there's a very unfunny thing that happened. I'm going to give you a bunch of song ideas in a minute here. <laughs> what state are all these song ideas from? The family that has all the sayings? Oh, I think 
Okay, I was trying to come up with an old time saying, and I'll just tell you, it's it's so stupid. But uh, I was observing how if you you send your kids out to pick pole beans, and I'll be like, they'll be like, how many? I'll be like, all of them. And they'll come in and I got them all. And then you go out and they definitely did not get them all. And then you send your visiting friend out and she'll say, I got them all. And you go out and be like, she didn't get them all. And I came up with this saying, it's an old saying, but I just invented it. And this is taking off like wildfire. A fresh set of eyes will always find more beans. Now, (laughs) a guy wrote in that anapodotin, there's a word, anapodotin. And anapodotin is a rhetorical device in which a thought is intentionally expressed, intentionally expressed incompletely. Because you know that people know the other half. So when someone says, when in Rome, that is a anapodotin. I gotcha. Yeah. Birds yeah, of a feather. Yeah, you're you're engaging somebody to to fill in blanks. Mm-hmm. So they're part of the storytelling. What do you say? Different strokes. Those are all anapodotins. This is good stuff. So <laughs> you, you <laughs> could get your brain this a way to No, this get. isn't the song. This isn't the shit for your song. No, I like this part. Oh, right now. <laughs> Phil cut this out. Or make it if Dan and Reed, if Dan and Reed Isbell listen, somehow it can't come yeah, through. Yeah, I'll their, find their IP address. We'll, we'll block come, it. It can't fine. come to their IP address. A guy's like, you're because you're saying is, you know, he's pointing out that it's kind of dorky, but a fresh set of eyes. Yeah, that works. You're good. Fresh at this. set of eyes. But it's also just so literal at that point. <laughs> yeah. It is. It gets mighty literal. Because yeah, yeah. they're like, like there's, there's not beans, much. The beans? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the beans is what makes it sort of funny to apply it to a fresh situation. But if you just find a deer that's been out there that no one's seen and you just say a fresh set of eyes, there's nothing really to fit in. Uh, people have written in dozens of variations. <laughs> <laughs> More eyes on the vine leaves less behind. <sighs> More beans you will find with a fresh set of eyes. It just How, doesn't what do you think work. about these rhymes? Well, here's the thing. So this guy rolling in, he goes, I got a lot of old-fashioned sayings that don't that our family invented. And these are where the songs are lying. Let me know if anyone's heard these before. <laughs> That's a damn thin shingle that ain't got two sides. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. That's, Imagine, a good, that's a good one. A shingle. Your shingles on your roof have gotten so thin. It doesn't have two it's sides. It's <laughs> so thin it doesn't even have two sides anymore. Mm-hmm. It's your little red wagon. Sorry. It's your little red wagon. You can push it or pull it. <laughs> I haven't heard it. Nope. Okay. Well, keep, I wear a nine, going. but a nine and a half felt so good. I got a 10. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Um... Well, it's bigger than a butter bean, and you eat those one at a time. I think you started with the better ones. <laughs> yeah. <I'm... laughs> if Junior is fishing in the mud puddle with a broomstick, don't call him stupid until you ask how many he has caught. I like that one. I could picture that being a song. <laughs> it's kind of a long, Yo, kind yeah. of a long <laughs> saying. Yeah, that, none of this is grabbing you. You're gonna need some. We need to get instead of having instead of, of having to put a Evan, yeah. instead of having Evan Pelkram, we should have got that damn guy Reed from the news. 
No, he, yeah, he, he could have made a song. He'd he 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 have 15 songs yeah. written. I fear, no. I fear we might be setting your songwriting back a few weeks with this. I don't know. Yeah, you, he's pretty good. We're gunking up the works here. <laughs> yeah, it's like actually counterproductive. If this Reed got churning out stuff, it takes me a year to do an album. <laughs> Six years, whatever. Do you feel, uh, you guys done five albums? We have. Yeah. And you did an album that wasn't really an album. Yeah, we did one kind of in a garage in Duran, Oklahoma, that didn't sound, <laughs> the sound quality was not Because you Because you guys were touring, but didn't have anything to sell. Yeah, we were playing bars and stuff, like right around, like really crappy bars in Oklahoma. Originals, though. Yeah, we were playing original songs. We were playing like songs off that record and then whatever else they made us play. And you wanted to have a thing to sell, so you made an yes. album. And yeah. then later you had to be like, and well, we, not really that album. Mm -hmm. Exactly. We what didn't. happened to that? Is that album still out there? Kind of, maybe. I don't Which know. In what form was it, it back it, then? It, it was a it's CD. It's not on Spotify. Uh -oh. Yeah, we just made it's a bunch of CDs. It's not on Spotify? No. No, it's not on Spotify. Do you want it to be? Not really. No. <laughs> what year was that? Five? Yeah, 2005. Huh. It could be. I, I'm not... It just wasn't... Like most of the guys that play that we or all the guys pretty much that that we play with now weren't on it like kyle wasn't in the band back then and it was a pretty like young iteration of what we are now yeah know? did you ever go back and fix any of that stuff up and redo it yeah we did a few songs off of it on the um on the turnpike troubadours record the one we did in california you guys have had uh I mean, such a long, long, long run mm -hmm. in years. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. But then uh, you're not worried about putting out an album every year. No. No. Is and there I'd, pressure to do that? There really isn't, honestly. I mean, it. Uh, for a while there, we were touring so, so much and then stepped away from all of it for... X amount of time and it was still like five years and some change was the longest we've gone putting out a record you know mm -hmm. whatever two and a half three of it we weren't weren't even playing or thinking about playing yeah. so you know um, but no there's not any pressure but I do I do like you know having having songs having something to promote keeping things new having new songs you know because without a, without a record it's hard to play new originals in the shows too so you become your own cover band yeah exactly <laughs> yeah um you guys broke up for a while how sick of talking like on a one to ten how sick of are you talking about this not at all I, whatever yeah i don't i don't mind talking about it at all you know yanni uh yanni here texted me this morning and he's like hey can we talk about drinking on the show oh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I said, I, I, I imagine so. <laughs> he quit, said, it's in quit, the, it, quitting yeah. drinking. Yeah, yeah, quitting drinking. He said, it's, in the, it's a lot in the album. There's a lot in the album. Mm -hmm. What yeah. were you thinking about, Giannis? Giannis periodically quits drinking. Really? Mm -hmm. He did a whole year one time. Really? Mm -hmm. Well, I think the older I get, the more and more I think about it more and more. And you mm -hmm. think about, you know, being present for people in your life. And if you're on the sauce even just a little bit mm -hmm. you're not 100 percent there you know and i see other people close to my life that battle with it and I, I see it all the time too you know and i'm it was the the best thing that ever happened to me was getting sober i've been i'll have four years or so in january total sober 
To- completely sober, yeah. Do you even, do you drink NA beer? I do. You're not supposed to talk about it, but yeah, Heineken Zero Zero is pretty good. <laughs> Why are we not supposed to talk about it? I don't know. It's just not well, a good example. Not to talk about you're it? not a good role model if you just. Oh, helmet like a recovered like if you're like a if you quit drinking. Yeah, it's bad form to drink. It's not good form to like if you're helping people quit drinking to just propose that slamming some NA beers. You know. Just, I, man, it's I just not I, a great look. Dude, I cannot. Like if you're going to work so or something. Completely just disagree. I so completely disagree with I, that. It actually has was a cool thing and like it's it's nice to be able to drink a beer. Like after an entire life of, you know, that being a sort of cornerstone of what yeah, <laughs> what people yeah. did, you know. You, you guys all know. And like no, man, I can so talk, is, I can talk about cool. this subject. This is so off subject <laughs> for us. We usually talk about outdoor stuff, but I I I'd talk about this kind of stuff all day long. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there was a time, like I, you had a quote in that, in a, I think you were in a Rolling Stone profile on you, uh, you know, a quote, like if you didn't drink like that, you weren't our kind of people. Yeah. When I was in for a lot of years, uh, I was suspicious of people. Me too. I, I they made me uncomfortable. And I was joking before he came in, we were joking. I was joking that if, if someone, you know. Suspicious like, of people that didn't drink. Oh, yeah. Know? Like when I was in graduate school and if someone was, you know, if someone like invited, like if some folks you went to school with were getting together to play a board game or watch a movie or something and you sort of got the sense that they weren't all going to be totally wasted. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, I don't know. It sounds uncall. Sounds awkward. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just you couldn't. What are we going to talk about? Well, yeah. I'd be like, I'd, I'd either like to be if I if I was out in the mountains or out in the woods, I like that. And if I was in town, I was drinking. Mm-hmm. I'd write in the day, and I was going to drink at night. And if not, if I wasn't do that, I was going to go hunting or fishing. If I was hunting or fishing, I didn't. I, I didn't even like barely had a thirst. Barely had a thirst. But I could not be in a social arena without having because it was just so it's just too intimate mm-hmm. you know i see now at the time i just thought it was like we were just trying to have fun it'd just be easier to go laugh about stuff with your buddies mm-hmm. than it would be to, to engage you know um and yanni because i don't know if you know yanni's well he's latvian and they like to pull a cork really <laughs> in latvia <laughs> So Yanni would periodically check to make sure he didn't need to pull a cork. Did a month? Still do. <laughs> did a month? Yeah. Did a month? Did a year? Where are you at now? Like, I don't know, five days. Like, like specifically <laughs> right now? Yeah. Yeah. Five days. I haven't been drunk since, the last time I got drunk, it was in. Well, no, that's a different story since I last had a beer versus. No. When was the last drunk? time you got drunk? Ooh, I don't know. I haven't been drunk in years and years. Months. Again. You got drunk a couple months ago? Well, again, that depends on what the <laughs> definition of that is. Like, drunk enough to be like, I'm not going to drive? Yeah, a couple months ago. Yeah. But that doesn't take much. The last time I got drunk, we were at SHOT Show in Las Vegas, and we were out with Kenton Carruth. Hmm. <laughs> and I remember having, like, five, six uh, vodka tonics, vodka Oof. sodas, hung over for 48 hours. No, thank you. And I, and I never, ever again, because the thing, I, I say this all the time, but the thing that got me, the thing that made me quit drinking, and I never, like, like I didn't struggle to quit drinking. When I used to talk about drinking, I'm talking about, like, drink drinking. It wound up not being hard because uh, 
I, I got too sick of the hangovers. But the thing that happened to me that was most impactful was having young kids. My oldest is 13. So I would find that you would, uh, I would find myself being annoyed at them in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Because they, they're up and ready to rock so and early. Being hungover doesn't help that. Yeah. And you, you and, and so you're kind of like irritated or you'd hear them, you know, you hear them, they're up and you know they're up. You learn how to be a very light sleeper as a parent. And so you'd be like, you hear a noise, bang. You know, and you're like, and I just remember thinking like, son of a gun. Seriously? <laughs> you know? Five more minutes, please. Yeah, seriously? And catch myself in that annoyance and then having the realization of being like, these people did not ask to be born. Yeah. They did not like <laughs> ask to come live in this house. Yes. You did this. You know, you created this scenario. You did this. And if anyone can learn anything from reading Cormac McCarthy, once you do something, <laughs> you should not pretend that you didn't do it. <laughs> and, and that little bit of guilt about just not being ready to rock in the morning it was the thing that like ultimately did it. And I've gotten to the point now I just don't, but in terms of just to return to the NA beer thing. Yeah. You know, if you're out at an event and people around you are drinking and you just go up and get water or whatever, you, you're so you're aware, like something in your brain is aware that you're not. Yep. But I have found if you get an NA beer and put really spicy bloody Mary mix in it, about a one to four ratio, Spicy Bloody Mary mix, one part, three parts NA beer. You think, because there's a burn, the spice, there's the fizz of the beer and the spice of the thing, and there's a burn in the back of your throat that makes your brain think that you're like yeah. social. <laughs> so, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, if that, I'm doing that, that I can like converse. Your, your brain's starting to tell you everything's going to be okay. You know, yeah, and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I'm it shuts off, off. And, and then all of a sudden, there I am talking to some guy I don't know, and I'm yep. like, well, actually, I was born in Michigan. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, yeah. All this shit. Uh, oh, you're from Tulsa? Do you know Bob? You know, all that kind of shit. And then uh, there I am talking to some guy I don't know very well. It's funny, which yeah. you don't like doing. Not a ton. I like talking to him. I don't know him, <laughs> Evan. But uh, so I, I, I'm, I just am surprised about it that that the NA thing is is regarded as not positive. It would depend on who you're talking to, but it's just so close to the line for some people that it, 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 it would be easy to step over it. And yeah. you know what I mean. For there's certain people at certain parts of their sobriety that it's not a very strong thing, you know. And I so they're on it's, it's, it's good to set a better example. So this is my buddy Jimmy Dorn's bar radio bars just messing with you that I got this bar shirt on. Mm -hmm. No, I don't care. You're like, <laughs> you're like, where exactly is that bar? <laughs> yeah, I, I go, I go to plenty of bars. What? Um, how old were you? Did you start drinking real young? Yeah, pretty young, like probably 15 or so. That you was know? how it was. You yeah, up. it's just we didn't. Have, yeah, when, where I grew up, we didn't. There wasn't. Um, not that there wasn't. Drugs were not. Dr it was, alcohol was the thing yeah for pretty much school, for us too yeah in high school and stuff it was like i'm sure there was I'm, like you know there's probably stuff i didn't know about for the most part where i grew up you you had we would develop in our community we we would develop very serious drinkers by 17 18 years old we would develop daily drinkers by 17 mm -hmm. 18 years old of the guys i've graduated high school with there were a number that were daily drinkers 
yeah. at that age. And then buddies of mine now are like, man, it's just not, the, it's like, it's edibles and stuff now. It's like a lot of weed now, but it's not like that in those rural areas anymore, you know? But I don't know. Starting young. Yeah, everybody drank, and drank all day. Like, drank, like, it was not uncommon for people that I know to drink beer all day and work and stuff. Like, it's, I mean, a lot of it, I guess it was probably their days off mm -hmm. that I was around them, you know? Probably my days off too, but it, it seems so much like a lot of day drinking. Would you have probably not even gotten into music if it wasn't for drinking, though? Because it go hand in hand, man. I, I don't know. Probably not. Maybe not. I mean, I, I wouldn't take for anything. I've you know, I wouldn't do it again. But you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take for it. I'm really happy with where I'm at. But yeah, I think that partying and stuff like that would have had a big impact on me playing. I mean, I just because you would have never gotten, you'd have never gotten drawn into the you wouldn't have gotten drawn into the nightlife. Like, like starting yeah, and, out in music, it's a nightlife deal, And then right? the nightlife would have been intolerable mm -hmm. if you were just mm -hmm. the, a straight-laced, sober guy, you know? It's not for... <laughs> it's, it's for other people. You know? Yeah. I don't mean to reference Norm MacDonald <laughs> twice, but Norm MacDonald has a whole bit about going out to the bars after you quit drinking. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then he, like, talks about hooking up and how awkward it is when you're not drinking. <laughs> Well, ma'am, I'll be putting on my trousers now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just how hard it is to go through life with all your uh, drinker buddies. Did uh, when you got to where you didn't want to play anymore, what was going on? Uh, that was kind of so. I was kind of trying to figure out life in general, and I, I mean, I was burnt out on playing. That was all I'd done from the time I was, you know, from the time I was twenty four or so until the time I was about 34 for about 10 years. I mean, that's all I thought about all I did and playing, not just performing, but just like on the road. Yeah. Right. Oh, oh so, okay. So yeah. for you playing is the road. Yeah. Correct. I, I got you. Yeah. And, and all, you know, part of it, there was a long sort of romantic period there where I, where I wrote a lot. I was very creative, you know, I mean, alcohol had that effect on, on me at that point in time. And then, um, and then it, it didn't, you know, and we, and we were, in the bars four or five nights a week and everything just was nuts. And so I thought, well, I, I get off the road, this problem will solve itself. You know, I changed my sort of my I schedule. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then I can fix that. And plus I wanted to, to learn there's so much more to the life than being in the bars, playing music mm -hmm. and all this sort of base level stuff. So, you know, I wanted to, I went back, I went down there and, uh, worked for Justin at the rice farm in whatever capacity I could. And then we, we started messing more with cattle and building fence and this and that. And so when you, you, when you walked away and went down, you walked away and like literally went down and started working. Yeah. Yeah. What was your, what was your financial situation though? You were set or not set? I was good enough. I didn't have a lot of bills. So yeah, I was good enough. I don't, didn't have kids at that point in time. And so I was, I was so you just out. Yeah. And you guys like deleted all your social media stuff and everything? I think. I don't know. I, I wasn't did. part of that. You did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and then what happened down there? Um, then I realized that I wasn't drinking too much because I was on the road. I was drinking too much because I was an alcoholic, oddly enough. 
Got it. Uh, yeah. So yeah. it wasn't the bars after all. No, they certainly had their hand in it, but it was time to make another big change. And so, so once I realized that I couldn't, you know, control that, I went to, I had a, a buddy of mine, like a, somebody that I look up to, a bronc rider guy, and he was the first person that I'd ever known that actually went to like any kind of treatment mm -hmm. and had success in that. And like his life just immediately got better and he was a happy dude and was better at everything that he did. And so he said, Hey, I got a spot for you. Like it's, you ought to just go to this place where I went. And I went and did a, like a 90 day deal and changed my life. And, and was that 90 day deal just done though? Like you walk in the door and you're not going to drink. Yep. Yep. Did you sit out in the parking lot for a minute? No. You just walked right in. Yep. Yep. And, uh, and you stay there. Mm-hmm. Hmm. What do you do for 90 days? It's so fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just a lot of classes and learning about addiction in general. And uh, so, so they tell you fun. what it is. Yeah. And for a kind of halfway analytical guy like me, that's what it took. You know, that helped me to understand sort of some physiology stuff and to understand what habits are and what's going on. And uh, yeah, so it was it was pretty boring, but it's, <laughs> but it's also like you have to rewire your entire being because I'm like this maniac who's coming out of the bars and can do, had for 10 years, could do anything he wanted to at any given time of any day. So sort of have to learn responsibility. And I'm very lucky that I got to do that before I had kids because now I got two little ones and I, and they do annoy me in the mornings, but it's, <laughs> but you know, at least I'm not hung over and mad at them, you know? So it's, it's, Lucky. Are you familiar with that long-running show, um, Fresh Air, with the host Terry Gross? I'm familiar. Have you ever done that show? Mm -mm. I've never done it. Like to. <laughs> <laughs> she had a neuro. She had a neuroscientist on, or like a. I don't know. Does that mean a brain scientist, Randall? Mm -hmm. Randall's got a PhD in history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that means a brain doctor. Yes. Yes. Well, <laughs> a neurologist. A doctor would be a neurologist. Uh, a neuroscientist, I think, would be like a researcher. Yeah. That's what this person was. They studied addictions and they studied the effects of um, different chemicals on your brain. And she said that she was, she was talking about the ways that things, what they do in you. And she talked about that like cocaine is, has a, like a laser intensity. What it does and the chemically it's doing a very specific thing inside your head. Right. Um, like a very precise, specific thing cocaine does. And then she said, so it's like a laser burning in there. And then uh, we, she described it as spilling paint on something. And then uh, she said, alcohol is, is someone in there with a hammer. Oh, it's affecting a lot of, <laughs> a lot of parts. <laughs> Yeah, and then the physiology part of it too. You know, yeah. you, you see, yeah, it's it's a, and it's such a ubiquitous thing. Like it's just everywhere, and and so widely accepted that it, that being addicted to it has its own name. Like you're an addict, right? Mm -hmm. It's just a drug, but you're an alcoholic because it's more accepted, sure, mm -hmm. culturally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if someone says someone's a drug addict, yeah, I was like, oh, oh boy. <laughs> Hope you don't shoot me. Yeah. Soften it up a little. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's just the alcoholic. That's cool. 
<laughs> and uh, it's the world over. You can be in a mm -hmm. small village in uh, South America, and guess what? Someone's brewing up some booze. Yeah. I was talking to a woman the other day. Uh, we were camping. Not the other day. I was talking to a woman a couple months ago camping, and she had done seven years in the federal penitentiary. And uh, she was on the laundry crew. So she was a laundress in prison and they would get, they would, they would get fruit juice from the cafeteria and they were able to put, they'd get these, I don't know what they were using for containers, but they found out how to put that fruit juice by the dryer vent. Cause that dryer's running around the clock and it's real warm. To ferment it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she was saying, man, we were able to ferment, we were able to make booze in jail <laughs> behind the dryer. Wow. It's like you need some booze <laughs> bad, dude. <laughs> you know? Evan, what was your drink of choice back then? I drank beer. Yeah. I drank Mexican beer a lot of the time. But for years it was just cheap beer, whatever, like Keystone or whatever. Did you uh did you have to relearn how to come up with stuff? Oh yeah, everything. I had to I had to learn a lot. Because like so much, so much of your developmental um, life, you were relying on alcohol. You think about drinking when from the time you're 15 on, and how much you actually develop physically and mentally um, with that chemical kicking around in your body. You know, mm -hmm. this this person I'm talking about, this neuroscientist. Mm -hmm. Can you hold your thought? Yes. That's the other thing that really surprised me is when you. If you start, if you start really boozing hard at before, if you start boozing before 18, your whole mental map is different mm -hmm. because you think of little kids, like you're still trying to establish, not kids, adult, whatever the hell, teen, high schoolers, your brain is still trying to establish a baseline, right? Of all this hormonal activity and, and like how much of this to produce and how much of that to produce. And you're throwing that thing so out of whack at a developmental phase that you create an abnormal normal. Mm -hmm. Your normal of like what it feels to be run at normal is built on that pedestal. And, and so people, if you look at like later, you look at alcoholism rates. When you start drinking as a teenager, um, you're creating a much greater likelihood of being a drunk later in life because you've set your like you've set yourself up for it. There are, she was talking about there are very few you can't find cases of people who don't drink and start drinking at forty and become an alcoholic. Yeah, it don't happen. Yeah, not gonna you be gotta, able to move the needle that much. Yeah. You got to develop it like a fine wine. Mm -hmm. man, you know? It's a long journey. What's funny about that too is that there was a period of time, like after I quit drinking that I like there's so much emotional maturity like you 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 still develop it's neat like so I spent these sort of very formative years in my 30s like learning sort of how to be a man whatever you know like be trustworthy and do do these things correctly and sort of be the guy that you know that I I want to be now um, around like those people in, in Southeast Texas that I sort of look up to, but, but it was certainly, you could feel it. Like there were a couple of years where I felt like I grew up emotionally 
you know, became a different post. Became an adult. Yeah. Post alcohol. Yeah. So strange. So you wait, you rated your trustworthiness and found it to be low. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. I mean, I was like, now if I say I'm going to do something, I typically, unless something falls apart, I do it. Even if it's hopefully, even if it's something small, Mm -hmm. but back then I didn't care, you know, when, uh, might show up, I might not. <laughs> when I was talking earlier about being in grad school, it's like I was in writing school. So just everybody just, and everybody read drinkers, you know, like all Carol the right. Yeah. So, you know, everybody wants, everybody's going to be an avant-garde writer. You know, I was at kind of like a, like a high-end writing program. And so everybody read like Raymond Carver and Charles Bukowski and, you know, and all the drug addicts and, right. And uh, so it's super cool to drink. And you talk about like the trustworthiness. It used to be a running joke, man. At at two, at one in the morning in the bar, everybody was going ice fishing in the morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> at seven, when you're supposed to meet at my house, crickets. <laughs> <laughs> Except for a dude named Ben Block. If you're out there, Ben, Ben Block would be there. <laughs> <laughs> the Hemingway line is like oh, always. Uh, do what you say you're going to do drunk. It'll keep teach you to keep your mouth shut or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> this dude, Ben, he was a painter and uh, he didn't grow up doing any kind of serious outdoor stuff, but I took him out ice fishing. He's a, he's a really good painter. And I took him out ice fishing. We pulled a big Northern up through a hole in the ice. And he said it was why it was said it was like watching the lake give birth. <laughs> <laughs> good analogy. <laughs> Oh, buddy. <laughs> I like that guy. <laughs> what, uh, um, oh, another observation, because I want to get back into what it's like to write tunes when you got to do it totally differently. But the thing I miss, my wife talks about it too, is um, how funny everything was. Mm-hmm. Stuff's just not funny like that anymore. Yeah, but there is funny stuff like that out there. You just have to pursue it. So like, oh, tell me, tell me where to find that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can, Um, but uh, you know, like the average stuff is not as fun, but it's stuff that you don't need to be doing anyway. You know, like sitting around on a tailgate bullshitting with people that you half know or whatever. Like, yeah, like that's not funny. That's that's not good, necessarily good company and not good use of your time, right? Okay. But um, I, I do like, like you, you've had some good belly laughs, like on these big. like hunting trips that you go sure, on with your yeah. buddies or whatever like not that's real yeah <laughs> yeah not as many i get it but so when you uh how did you get back into writing though i set a deadline and um i said i'd do it because i knew i wasn't because now you're to. trustworthy anyways yeah, yeah. So i told him i'd do it <laughs> that's, sadly the enough new, that's how the it new went. you yeah the new you said you'd do well, it well i pay my bills on time and uh now i uh so we decided we wanted to go back in the studio. We played some, had we played some shows already, Patty, before we decided to do the record or we decided to do the record before? Oh, Patty, can you introduce yourself? Patty, our manager. Oh, hey, sorry. This is, uh, yeah, this is Patty. I'm, I'm Turnpike's manager. Um, we, we had set out that we were going to, we were going to record, but we were going to do some shows before we recorded. Got it. And you had to do like in the beginning of the Blues Brothers movie, you had to get the band back together. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly like that. 
So you had to go around. Which one came and first? Find, like them, find them where yeah, they were. Yeah, I found them where, wherever they were. Assembled my crew. Yeah. No, we were all ready to, we'd, we'd stayed pretty close. And uh, so we, yeah, we just set some dates and I just did what I could and just hammered and hammered and hammered at it until something felt good. Felt like I could be proud of it. Maybe. So you had like, I gotta, I gotta do 12 or whatever Mm -hmm. the hell it is. Yeah. And I just got as many as I could, but I'm in doing that kind of learned how to do it again and learned what I like and what I'm after. Was it something that you missed after a while of being away from it? Like it built up that you hadn't scratched this, this creative itch. I mean, you're obviously focused on other things, but like after a certain period of time away from it, like you felt like you had to go back to it or what was that sort of relationship with the craft? Like, like, I think if I'd known it was off the table forever, I would have missed it. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, it, I, it always felt like I'd come back to it. So, and there's certain aspects of it that are really, really neat. Like that connection with a big audience like that and singing, singing together with like that many people at once is very, very interesting. I mean, it's mm-hmm. such I a... I can't imagine. Yeah, it's a, such a like neat moment to get to have. But... You, uh... Does it... With that, with those kind of numbers, though, it probably loses, uh... It's not as, um... When, when you're with a ton of people, the awkwardness probably goes away because there's nothing super, like... Like, if we made mm-hmm. you sing a song in here, for instance. I'd be very scared. <laughs> <laughs> but you wouldn't be when it's, a, when it's thousands of when people. No, nah, not as much. No, it's not as... And there are even, like, situations where the, you know, the right people in the room with 10 or 15 people would be the scariest to do if it's somebody you wanted to impress or yeah, whatever, right. you know? Like all your musical heroes. Sure. Like, kick us out a song, Evan. <laughs> oh. <laughs> About yeah. pole beans. Yeah. <laughs> And when you when you went on hiatus, you had done you had done four albums. Yes. No, okay. You had, Something that right? like that. Four four and then Bozier City, I think. Yeah. yeah. First one. And then uh I was reading too that you had uh when you got back into writing, you'd established like a with one of your bandmates, you you were sharing writing prompts. Is this thing? Oh, that was Jamie Wilson. So she had a book and it's really cool. It's called this is in that Rolling Stone interview. Yep. Yeah. She, she profile. talked about it. And we, yeah, so it was a series of writing prompts and this and that. And you just, there, you timed It was yourself. in a book. Yeah. And so we both got the book and we were both like going through it together just oh, for fun. What would be an example? Oh man, I'd have to, um, it's been a couple of years, but I think one of them was just like write for 10 seconds or, or not write for 10 seconds, but like write for 60 seconds on this subject in whatever way you can. And it was just like cyclist. And so, I, you yeah. know, you write a story. Oh, so that's what you guys are doing. And that's where we were. That's one example, you know. Uh, when I read it, I took it to be that sh- that you guys would send each other prompts that you'd come up with to build mm-hmm. no, on it, something. We were oh, kind of going so just, that. It was like a writing exercise. Yeah. But that helped you get back into it. Yeah, it did. It, honestly, it, it's. I want to go back and go back through that book. It's pretty neat. So where are things at? Where are things at now? I mean, are you, are you, um, do you picture that you want to do music for 20 more years? Or, I mean. Yeah. You do? Yeah. Like, you'll do it as long as you can do it? Yeah. How was it, um, I grew up, you know, listening to my dad's 
Waylon Records, and then by default, yeah. I came into the Shooter yeah. era. Uh, how much did he like? Was the magic in this new LP? He's a he's just a really nice guy, and like he's one of those people that music is it for him. Like he loves it. Like he loves. He knows every record. He knows who produced it. He knows knows who played on it. Like that's his. Mm-hmm. Like life. Life makes sense to we're, him. Yeah, we're, talking about, shoot, we're yeah. talking about Shooter, shooter Jennings. Jennings. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so having somebody like that, that that's just that's that that passionate about it, um, and that well versed in everything, um, it was it was amazing. How does a relationship like that come up? Like how did that how did that come to be? Had you guys always been buddies or something? Kind of. Yeah, we were we were acquaintances, and we I mean we liked each other, and then um, the opportunity came up, and he'd been doing you know. Like he'd just done Tanya Tucker's yeah, stuff. Yeah, and you could just, there's so much stuff just right there handy that you could listen to and say, hey, this is really, really great quality. And he got really good performances out of these people. Like, why why not work with him, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, what's your, like, what's your next project going to be? I don't know. We'll just do another studio album, probably. Have you got, just are you baking on that yet? Trying to, but nothing major. Fresh set eyes, always mm. buy more beans. That is not bad. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, probably, it'll probably wind up in one of them. Sure is dusty <laughs> down here in Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, but I do have a question on that. You mentioned earlier that uh, you kind of you'd be wary, maybe, of like the cowboy genre a little bit because it'd be so easy to be a hokey. Mm-hmm. And I feel like mm. throwing in some hunting stuff into mm-hmm. your tunes could probably have some of those same pitfalls. Like, are you are you mindful of that as you're writing? It could. Yeah, you have to be like. Yeah, it it could be, it could come across as silly or like I'm forcing something, but like bird hunting's such a thing for me. Like it's something something that I've I I fell in love with like pretty naturally, and I've I quit. So I coon hunted for a long time, mm. and I got tired of being out late, <laughs> so I just, <laughs> sort of just traded that for for a pointer. Did you train your own dogs? Back yeah, then? what yeah, you have walkers? Do. You ever uh, out in the woods running into a guy named Clay Newcomb? I don't know. You guys were you guys so. were border mates. He oh yeah, right, he was right across in the Arkansas. Oh really? Yeah, in the Washita. But he was yeah. in the Washita's. Yeah, you might have heard his hounds across state lines. Oh probably <laughs> chase the same coon. Probably. <laughs> yeah, Do you have my, walkers or blue ticks? I had um, I had both, and I think I want to say I had a red tick dog or two. I never had any real good ones. We ran <laughs> ran a lot of deer. We were out late a lot. And we also drank a lot of beer. Yeah, I was out. We're quite could, sure whose place you were on some of the times, probably. <laughs> but you know, it was so most of it was was public. So you know, okay, oh yeah, because you guys, it was had, a warehouse, you guys you know? had a lot of pub. Okay, I see. Yeah, yeah. So we had plenty of places to go, but yeah, it, it was just. Now, would you ever throw in a coonhound reference? Probably subtle. I have. I did on this record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard that this morning about, about the place in the bottoms. Yeah. <laughs> You know, um, we were always raised that we had the shotgun that had come from my mom's dad, and um, my dad. So my mom's dad had had it, but my dad wound up with it, and he had always told people it was a Belgium. It was a Browning Auto, whatever that A four. I don't know. A five. He always told everybody it was Belgium made. Uh, yeah, and because you guys have you have that reference, yeah, you know? and uh. When he died, he looked up the serial number. Was not Japanese <laughs> or something. <laughs> Funny. That's a that's a thing, man. That I like is uh, 
it winds up being we're talking to we talked to Luke Combs about this once when he's got a song, you know, he talks about like a Johnson outboard, right? And he'd be like, Well, you know, obviously it's not gonna be a right. It's not gonna be a Honda. Yamaha. Right. Not that, I mean, I own, <laughs> exactly. I, own like, I own five. I own five Honda four strokes. <laughs> and they're I great. Have a, I have a Yamaha <laughs> four stroke jet, which I adore and would like. I'd rather give up my kid than my jet boat. Yamaha jet, right? <laughs> but you don't write songs but, about Yamaha. But, it's like, <laughs> about but I thought it was a Yamaha. weird. Yeah, it's like a weird choice to throw mm-hmm. in that it's a Belgium. <laughs> Because it's like there's like about two people who'd be like, oh, I get that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know what he's talking I, I about. I think that's just, I, I don't know. That's just like a seem like what they'd say, what the guy would say, or whatever. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, no. It's interesting when you have something that's um like references that are not uh, references that are um that have the potential of being missed. Yeah, I think it like harkens back to like a time period because like what that'd be something my grandfather or father would say. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't hear Belgian made. Yeah. as much now yeah i feel like there's sometimes when you hear hunting and fishing or outdoor references and songs it's like something that it's so superficial it's like a t-shirt mm-hmm. or a bumper sticker slogan and you're like oh did does that person hunt or fish or did someone say add a hunting and fishing line in there yeah, yeah. talk about a big Big sure. buck or something like that you do know? you tend to go out of your way to put more in or go out of your way to take them out What's that like hunting? Hunting fishing stories? references. I typically write about hunting because I I write about it as like a a background uh-huh. for a a transitional thing, you know, for a story. Like it just happens to be what they're doing, um, because it's interesting and things are uh, moving around. Yeah, no, I yeah, like the song it's just on, setting, the, on the album know? now. You're talking about going elk hunting. Yeah, mm-hmm. with the with the booze and the saddlebags. Right. Yeah. <laughs> The so- yeah. Oh no, they're remembering the yeah. booze. Yeah, yeah. The, the song's remembering- not about the elk hunt. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just kind of coming to a realization or a couple <laughs> NAs in the saddlebags. <laughs> yep, shake them up though. <laughs> <laughs> Beer and saddlebags don't go very good together, huh? No. But when I was asked about, do you find taking them out or putting them in? I mean, if you get where you got something where it's close to what you want, do you sometimes say to yourself, "Man, I need to lighten up." You know, I'm going to pull a couple of those out. I'm going to pull some of that hunting, fishing stuff out. Or do you look and be like, I need to put more. Of that I need in to there. get heavier. Oh, this dude, is okay. not heavy enough. <laughs> yeah. So you might catch that it needs to be a little more like, yeah, it needs to be a little more like clear. Is Like if it, what if the story's just kind of boring and then I just put it in a hunting backdrop mm-hmm. and then it's, there's more happening. So it's more interesting. Yeah. You know, uh, We've talked a lot about, you know, you know, how No Country for Old Men feels like, you know, it's like feels like a hunting book mm-hmm. for only one reason. When he finds that massacre site. Right. He's blood trailing the animal. Mm-hmm. He completely forgets about the blood trail. Yep. There's no reference to it. We actually, Hunter or Spencer Newhart did a little work on it and he was almost certainly poaching. There's no way he would have drawn that tag. Um, <laughs> but either way, it's just like, he's like, he had to be doing a thing when he finds the money. You know, mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, I'll have him, I guess, what would make sense? He was hunting. <laughs> but it like burns in your head, like that first scene, and then for somehow like it carries with it that it's like this thing about hunting, and you look at it, 
And you're like, well, no, it's just it's just like you said. I needed to have them doing a thing. Mm-hmm. It's good and for that's what I had too, them doing. He, he blood trails himself into you know the the yep. the murder. You know, it's a or a massacre or whatever. But yeah, it's just brilliant stuff. And he'd be doing it anyway. Our character, like that Lou Ellen character, is you know he's going to be out doing something, yeah. staying away from the house, right? Yeah. It's good. He's not out picking daisies. The story would have felt very different if he found money on the way to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's driving all the road. Had a job that he really likes. Yeah. <laughs> and he worked hard for it. So what do you guys got? What's your what's your tour situation right now? Um, it's we we play quite a bit. I mean, we're just staying steady throughout the year now. We take I'm some weekends you, I'm off. I'm inviting you to plug something specific if you feel oh, like it. We have a show in Oklahoma in January. I think that we are yeah, two or three that Isbell's nights. yeah, Isbell's playing with us. And Charles Wesley Godwin. Mm-hmm. Not till January. That's in January. Um Is that is that a is that part of a big tour or what? Oh yeah, we're playing in Florida this weekend. Oh, okay. So Next is weekend. that <laughs> man, I don't know. You got Knoxville November sixteenth, which <laughs> I was gonna go. And I you guys but need I got to a hunting tag that. I gotta try to fill. You're not so you're not going? No, I'm gonna try to get this mule deer. So if you see an empty seat out there, yeah. <laughs> that fella. So you're not you're not on a like a very you're not you don't have upcoming right now or anything a very scheduled like you know five night a week. Uh-uh. No, it'll be like three nights here, maybe a weekend off. Could be four or five nights, but it's all pretty haphazard. Yeah. How many will you want? Like if in the next calendar year, what would be your guess of how many shows you'll do? Oh, I don't know. Fifty Man- or something. Manager. Fifty-five. Close enough. That's a lot, though. It's plenty. Yeah. It's cool to get to be home every week, having little kids like that. Sure. Right. Do you bring your kids out on the road? Some Sometimes. Now that we have two, it's been trickier. So, but not like out on the road. Like sometimes Stacy brings them to see see us or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> they don't come out I, on I the don't bus. like go They're not on the bus. The bus. <laughs> you'll you'll bring a, your family on the yeah. bus. No, we're all, we got a big crew and yeah, you'd, you'd almost have to have your own set up for that mm-hmm. um did Corinne talk to you about playing something she maybe did I don't know well you I, got you I brought you got, a guitar so you don't mind doing it did. no I don't think so but it's gonna be it'll be awkward for you because it's so intimate in here probably <laughs> intimate and warm yeah hot it's getting warmer yeah, yeah but it's gotta be <laughs> hot in a lot of them concert halls <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> it is sometimes yeah what are you gonna play uh, I don't know I thought I might play bird hunters yeah do that okay People would like Wonderful. that. Well, Cal would like it. <laughs> oh, he's going to be bummed. Well, well how do we set here. this all up, Phil? Phil's probably going to want to do some little thing. Well, yeah, if it, Hunter, uh, if, if we can just get yep. like a mic kind of relatively close to his guitar and then he can sing into that one, if uh, we can angle that one down. And while we're filling time here, uh, has anyone here seen Killers of the Flower Moon yet? No, no, but I feel like I feel like I'm just getting bombarded by Oklahoma because I was hunting. I I saw I saw it this weekend, and it's funny because Scorsese put a bunch of musicians in there, like Isbell's in there, Sergio Simpson, Pete Yordan. Like Jason Isbell is incredible. Like if you didn't know he wasn't a musician, you'd be like, oh, who's this awesome character actor? But I was just thinking because he plays one of the victims' husbands or something. Yeah, and he's uh, he's got scenes with Leo, and he like steals the scene. It's really he's great. But I was just thinking because Evan would have fit like right in there. He's just got that vibe that I think Scorsese was looking. for. You think I could have been in that movie? Totally, yeah. <laughs> you know, we had the author of that book sitting right where you sit. David Grant was in here. Really? Yeah, he sat right there. Man. Charlie Crockett wrote the theme song for it, too. I've but he that. was, uh, David Grant was here promoting, not, he wasn't promoting Killers of the Flower Moon. He was promoting um, The Wager. 
Oh man, I don't know if this thing's in tune. Is that okay if I tune no, it? I wouldn't know. Don't you got that app on your phone? I do. No. I thought I was going to turn you on to that app. <laughs> Covey took wing The shotgun's singing A pointing dog down The old logging road And Danny got three and look back, grinning, I fumbled around and tried to reload. The country was cold, where the sun westward sinking. It's good to be back in this place with my hands around the Belgian May Brown and my mind on the lines of her face. does it feel you belong in these hills it's best that you let it all in you'd have married that girl you'd have married her family but you dodged a bullet my friend she said go on back to Cherokee County don't you crawl back with nothing but a razor and cone Says, baby, if you need me, I'll be where you found me And go on to hell, honey, I'm headed home Dances, look at old Jim A dozen December's behind him, no worse for the wear. Your time spinning Tulsa did not help your shooting. Now look at the gray in your hair. How good does it feel? You belong in these hills. It's best that you let it all in. That girl, you'd have married her family, but you dodged a bullet, my friend. She said, Go on back to Cherokee County. Won't you crawl back with nothing but a razor and comb? Says, Baby, if you need me, I'll be where you found me. Shotgun to shoulder I thought of the 4th of July She'll be home on the 4th of July Bet we dance on the 4th of July 
says, hell of a shot Looks like you still got it That's what we came here to do Well, it's light enough still At the foot of the hill You could kick up a single or two She said, go on back to Cherokee County Won't you crawl back with nothing but a razor and comb Says, baby, if you need me, I'll be where you found me Go on to hell, honey, I'm headed home Go on to hell, honey, I'm headed home All right, man. Beautiful. Thank I got you. goosebumps. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, great. Turnpike Troubadours, sounds like you have 55 opportunities to catch them in the next calendar year. At least. And um, lots of albums to choose from. Uh, anywhere you listen to music. You can go on Spotify and listen to a bunch of stuff. Yep. You can go on YouTube and listen to a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. You can buy the actual things. Come to the show and buy a CD. Come to the show and buy a CD. <laughs> Dig up that old CD from the old days and sell it as a collector's item. I considered cool. it. <laughs> and of course uh you know if you if you tune into your to your fm dial you will uh likely pick up some tunes as well but the best thing to do is go check them out live over the next uh, over the next year throw some support thank you very much for coming on man i thank really you. appreciate thank it you. Yeah, that was great thanks a lot After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside, from grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about Ice Age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold.